0: All right, welcome to the Catholic Sportsman Show. And before we get started with our guest, Samantha Kelly from Fierce Athlete, we want to start with a prayer. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Dear Lord, you've given us bodies, men and women, female and male bodies to, for a particular purpose in our lives, and just help us to use our bodies and our spirit and our soul to do your will in our lives. We ask you to send the Holy Spirit down in our discussion today, and we ask uh, Our Lady to intercede for us. Hail Mary, Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
1: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners,
0: now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Sebastian, patron saint of athletes. Pray for us. Blessed Carlo Cutis pray. pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, Samantha Kelly, welcome. And we're gonna have to rename the show to the Catholic Sportswoman, Randy. I I can see that, yes. Yes, (laughs) we'll do that again. I love it. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, great to talk with you. So I wanted to give you a brief introduction here. So Samantha is the president and founder of Fierce Athlete. She has a master's degree in psychology and she's working on a certification in strength and conditioning and also at the same time, very busily Theology of the Body, and you played uh, Division One soccer at the University of Connecticut. All right, so welcome, and nice. we want to get started and, and just you know, talk about how faith and sports have you know, intersected in your life and how you've gotten to this point here of founding Fierce Athlete.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Lord, the Lord uses our, our journeys and our stories to, to bring us where we are and what he wants us to do. Um, and I can see that, that thread and that theme in my life. I grew up uh, in Connecticut to, um, in a Catholic household, um, really driven by my mom, but my dad has really grown. As I've grown in my faith, it's been beautiful to see him grow in his as well. Um, but, you know, we were, we were a faithful family. Um, but as a young person, I kind of viewed my faith as something that made me a good person. And if you had asked me who I was, I was an athlete. I mean, in high school, I was a nine time state champion. And yeah, I got the opportunity to, to play soccer at UConn, which is a top 25 program. Um, but unfortunately, going into college, my senior year of high school, I blew out my knee pretty bad. Um, they said it was a career ending injury, but I was pretty stubborn and determined to come back. Um, But I tore my ACL, my LCL, and my meniscus all at once. So it was three surgeries, 13 months before I stepped foot on the field again, and then about three years until I was playing at the Division I level. Um, So that was a long process of working back, but it was really the classic identity crisis. Here I was, an athlete, and suddenly I was sitting on the bench and trying to fit in as a freshman. And, you know, I tried to fill that gap um, with a lot of things, whether that was my coach's opinion, whether that was um, studying extra hard and kind of putting on a front, whether that was starting to party with my teammates. Um, but inside I, even though nobody knew it, I was pretty miserable and pretty depressed. Um, and I went to mass when it was convenient at that point in my life, but my junior year of college, um, during preseason, in order to get a break, um, I went to mass and it was totally a grace. I went to mass kind of on a whim just to get away from everybody and get in some air conditioning. And um, I was the only student there because it was early August, but there was a team of missionaries focused missionaries. There it was their first day ever on campus. They hadn't been at UConn previously. Um, and so, you know, I'm the only student there. So they approached me and I got to know them a little bit. And at that point I was like, maybe I should give this God thing a try. And through a matter of circumstances ended up kind of getting I wouldn't say forced, but highly encouraged to go to a conference and end up just going to a much needed confession and then having a radical um, encounter with our Lord in adoration. And for the first time in my life, I, I knew that I was just loved for who I was, not because I was a big time athlete, um, but just, I was loved as, as the Lord's daughter. And that joy was something that one, I had never experienced before and I, and I wanted to, to continue. So as athletes, we're all in. Uh, my life took a radical turn and I came back seeking to pray and learn about my faith and then turn around and lead others towards faith. So that led me to a path of actually becoming a, a focused missionary. I worked for varsity Catholic, their athlete subgroup. Um, so basically I got, I got put at the university of Texas and I worked with their student athletes for a couple years and then I got promoted and, and brought back to Philadelphia. Um, but at that time I, I encountered the teaching of theology of the body and I felt like it was almost my second encounter with the Lord. Like it was, it was, aside from meeting him in the Eucharist, it was the most influential week of my life. Um, because i have been working with women, female athletes for years and introducing them to the Christ is, is the most important thing. But then I was encountering all of these issues that women were struggling with body image, sexual confusion, promiscuity, mental health. And I finally felt like theology of the body explained the answers to some of those things, the goodness of the human body, the purpose of sexuality, why there are men and women and how we're different. And, you know, I started to share this teaching with female athletes, you know, and I had, and athletes don't cry. Female athletes, like we're tough. And I had rooms full of women in tears. And so I knew I was, I was hitting a nerve and it was thereafter through prayer that um, God had called me out of the other missionary work and and asked me to launch this nonprofit. So, yeah, that was about six years ago. Um, I went and worked for the TOB Institute for two years and just soaked in that teaching. Um, And then when the Lord asked me to leap, I did. And I've been full-time with Fierce for four years.
1: That's great. So how did your ministry in Fierce start? It sounded like it started through Focus what does Fierce stand for and what, is, what does it offer?
2: Sure. Yeah, there, there's, some, there's some big words, right? We don't broadcast them because they're, they're kind of some intimidating words. But, but yeah, when the, when the word Fierce came to me, it was in, it was in prayer. And um, like the, the, what those words mean, and I'll go through in a second, kind of came to me. And it was thereafter that I realized, wow, this is actually the formation that we're going to be bringing women through. So our mission at Fierce is to promote true identity and femininity in female athletics because there's a lot of confusion about the two. So the the acronym is um, F stands for femininity. So so what does it actually mean to be an athletic, faith-filled woman? Can you be both? The answer is yes. I is identity. So we have to start with first and foremost, before anything else, before being an athlete, before being talented, before all your wins and losses, you are a daughter of God, period. And that's where your identity lies. Um, E is embodiment. So as human beings, we're body and soul. So we talk about the the beauty of the female body and how we um, use that in sport to honor and worship the Lord. R is receptivity. So the female body is different from the male, and it also reveals reveals the difference between the height of masculinity and the height of femininity. So the height of femininity revealed through my body is receptivity. So R is receptivity, which we naturally do when we are playing our sport. C is Catholicism. So we, we work with women of all faiths and backgrounds, um, but everything we preach is rooted in the truth of the Catholic Church. And then E is encounter. So, you know, our goal is to raise up leaders. So we, we work with women, we mentor them, we train them, and then we send them back out to their teams to be evangelists and to encounter their teammates. So, so that's one thing we do. We, we broadly, we have a podcast as well. The Fierce Athlete podcast, um, you know, that has listeners from all over the world. Um, and then I travel the country speaking, leading retreats, leading strength conditioning clinics, but also have kind of part strength conditioning clinic, part theology of the body retreats, we're working out, but then we're also having talks. Um, and then, and and then I do a lot of kind of one-on-one mentorship, and, and coaching of individuals as well.
0: Oh, wow, Great. And you talked about your Eucharistic um, experience, and, and now we're in the Eucharistic revival, right, with the church. And uh, so, and, and you had this experience with these focus ministries. I mean, I guess for someone who doesn't know about focus or and or theology in the body, I know it's a big topic, but is there a way you can describe a little bit more of your experiences with both? I mean, like. Uh,
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. And I I, I love them. They do great work, but, and I I won't name the organization, but, um, when I was really searching college, I got involved with a Christian athlete organization and it it was a good beginning because it, it it introduced me to the concept of having a personal relationship with Christ. So I started to read the Bible and it it taught me how to apply my faith to my sport, but it wasn't life-changing. Like, it, it, it started me on that right path of like, okay, I'm searching for Christ and I'm searching for this person they keep talking about, but I almost wasn't finding him. Mm-hmm. And it was, so focus is a, is a similar organization. They, they send recent college grads onto college campuses and they put on this national um, conference every year. Um, and during that conference, they have a night of adoration. So that's when they take the Eucharist, the, the body and blood of Christ or the body of Christ um, in the host, and they put him on display. And one, I think it was because I had just gone to a confession. So I'd been to adoration the night before and nothing really struck me, but I went to like an honest confession for the first time in years. And I think that just opened my heart up. Um, But I, 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 it's almost like I can't explain it. It's just, I can tell you that with my whole being, I knew that I was encountering the real person of Jesus Christ, because we believe as Catholics that he's fully present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. Um, that's the source and summit of our faith. And so it it was beautiful because it was, I was surrounded by all these Christians, but where I found Christ and what rooted me in the truth of the Catholic church was the Eucharist. And it's so beautiful because as athletes, like athletics is sacramental in a way. It's like, we're, we're physical and there's a spiritual side and a mental side. Well, that's, that's the faith, right? We have these sacraments that are a physical reality, but they, they point to something deeper, the fullness of Christ. Um, and so, yeah, that was, the, that was in regards to Eucharist. In regards to thought, theology of the body, it's, it's a teaching by St. John Paul II that's, that's really, I think, a teaching for our times in, in such a time of confusion surrounding sexuality and gender and the human person and the human body. What it looks at is, well, we were created in God's image and likeness, so how do we reflect God? Um, in our individual person, right, we're body and soul and God is in us, but also in our relationship as male and female. And in a very simple analogy, when you look at the, we believe in a God that's Trinitarian. So there's a relationship there, father to son, and the Holy Spirit flows from that. Well, you know, we mirror that in, and God respects our freedom, but in our ability of man to unite with woman and a child to flow from that. And so we, you know, when you look at, it's really kind of a cool teaching to look at, wow, like our bodies, our sexuality, everything has, has purpose. Um, and then I just kind of took that and said, wow, this applies so much to to female athletics and what I'm doing and what I'm encountering on a day-to-day basis.
1: That's great. Have you found a difference between female and male sports?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I think that it's, it's actually one of the natural tellers that we're different. I think in our culture today, right. People are trying to nullify that there is a gender difference. They're trying Mm -hmm. to get rid of that, but I think you can't, you can't get rid of it in sport. Um, so, so I talked a little bit before about this, but so, so if we look at what makes the, the man and the woman different, it's the sexual act. Um, and sexual organs. And so if we look at the male's body, right, he's external, right? He's giving of himself to the woman. Well, that reflects his internal, since we're a body-soul union, that means his masculinity is rooted in his ability to sacrifice. Um, Now, the opposite of that you see is is unfortunately domination. You can see that amongst men, men to men Mm -hmm. and then men to woman. Um, and then the female receives, right. She receives the man, but then she has this ability to bear forth life. And so the height of femininity is her receptivity and her ability to bear forth life. So i love to use the example of basketball. If you look at how men play basketball versus how women play basketball, it's very different Mm. men. It's a little bit more individualistic. They're a little bit more athletic, but there's more, I'm sacrificing myself and driving to the hoop and dunking the ball. There's just a little bit more of an element of self-sacrifice women. They say it's a little bit of a prettier game. Um, there's more teamwork. There's more passing. And that reveals kind of this natural receptivity that we as women have. You know, we just have this ability, like our friend walks in the room and they're trying to hide it, but they're having a terrible day. We just know, like we have this, just have this a sense to receive one another. Now, is one better than the other? No, they're still great games of basketball, right? But they are played differently. And I think that reveals that masculinity and femininity and how we exude those things are actually different. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to see um, how sport is, is kind of that natural avenue for those things.
0: Right. Basketball is a great sport to compare, right, between the two sexes. But and thank God for the differences of our sexes, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so women's sports and Title IX, very hot topic today. Um, how do you kind of see young women navigating through all of this at this point and advice for them?
2: Yeah, sure. You know, it, yeah, it's very interesting times in female athletics. Um, but, but I think it's important to know where we came from. Um, you know, I have a friend, she's in her seventies and um, she played on the, it wasn't pro back then because they weren't paid. So it was amateur, but essentially she was in the top 20 players in the country. She played um, amateur tennis. On the, on the national circuit against the likes of Billie Jean King, you know, Margaret Court, like she was, she was playing with these, with these players. And, um, this was pre title nine. And she said, you know, I almost felt like I had to apologize for liking sports and for being athletic. Oh, wow. Because it was so, so countercultural, you know, and when she got married, her husband, and God love him, this is what she says, like, this is the, this is what the times were like. He was like, I don't want you traveling around, you know, and so she kind of had to give up tennis in order to you know, become a wife and mother. And, and she says how that led her into deeper faith. And that was a beautiful avenue for her. Um, but I, you know, I don't think I, I had never had to, and I don't think young women today have to apologize. Right. And so title IX did a lot because it provided women equal opportunities in sport in kind of an educational institution. So women could, could start getting spots and scholarships at universities mm-hmm. where that kind of started to get twisted was, you know, the likes of a Billie Jean King, they really began pushing this feminist movement in sport where it was no longer, well, we're different from men and we're going to grow this way. We're actually going to prove that we're better than men. Mm. And you see, you know, you see, you saw the battle of the sexes, that whole uh, thing, which my friend thinks was rigged, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, it, so it kind of becomes well, we need to beat men. And, and I think you see that the threads of that in our culture today, right? There's either a nullifying of gender or, um, or there's this anti-man um, context where, you know, really we're, we're equal, but we're different. Um, now the interesting thing happening today is now we're on the other end of the spectrum where, you know, the Biden administration is looking to change the word sex in title nine to gender. And as a result, you know, we've seen most recently, we're we're getting men, biological men who consider themselves transgender women, um, competing against women. And there's just, you, you there's such biological differences that it's, it's radically unfair as we've, as we've seen. And, and it's hard. I mean, I was talking to a 15 year old, she's 15, like she should be enjoying sport, you know, and all it has to offer her. And she brought it up, what's going on. And she just said, you know, it makes me feel like I don't matter. And that's the exact opposite of what sport should be doing. And I mean, thank God, you know, some of the international organizations are putting in some, some regulations to prevent this from happening, but it hasn't trickled down yet. Um, we're still seeing some things in the, in the news and the media in regards to transgender um, competing, but I'm hoping sport is a natural end. I think it's causing people to wake up a little bit um, because it, it, it really is, wherever you stand politically, like um, people see this as, as just not fair.
1: What would you say to young women who are struggling with life or struggling with who they are?
2: Mm-hmm. They, you know, you've probably heard this before, but I would say, remember who you are as a daughter of God. Period. I'm going to say that again. Who you are is a daughter of God. Period. If you go on to become the next Olympic, I don't know gold medalist in the 400 meter race, right? Set a world record, become the best of all time. Or you literally just sit in that chair for the rest of your life, do nothing. God will still love you the same. Mm -hmm. And that's a very hard concept for us to, because we're so action driven for us to realize that we don't have to do anything to earn the love of the Lord. He just loves us for who we are. Now, Once we realize that, like, wow, look at this gift I've been given. I'm just loved as I am. Our only response is to use our gifts we've been given, our athletic talent to the best of our ability. Never cut corners, work as hard as we can, Um, be grateful no matter the outcome, be kind, be virtuous. But whatever you're struggling with, and those are very, very real issues, and we can go through some of those, but um, you have to remember who you are. And the, returning to that and to how God sees you, it also takes the pressure off. That There was a point in my, after I had kind of encountered the Lord, where I realized that deeper, like, and it just took the pressure off. I started, I finally started playing. Mm. I went on to start and become a captain, but I finally started playing free. And just knowing I was loved and knowing I was on that team to love my teammates and have some fun and honor the Lord. And it changed everything. It took the pressure off from everybody else's expectations or even my own expectations. to just having fun and and glorifying him. And I think it it takes work, but but getting there will just lead to the ultimate freedom.
0: Yeah, how beautiful just to play free and not have to worry about anything else, right? No -hmm. other expectations. (laughs) Right. So, well, of course you uh, run into to young women who uh, may have helicopter parents or maybe not enough parental motivation, Um, how do you coach them to um, help them navigate that? And just like you said, just be the best you can. Maybe you won't be an athlete. Maybe you're not good enough to be a college athlete. It's a lot of competition, but.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, I would remind you, like your worth isn't based off of whether you get the D1 scholarship or whether you play or whether you don't, you know, there's, you're, you're so much more than just an athlete. Like there's so much to every individual human being. Like we reflect God in our uniqueness. And so there's so much more to you than just your ability to be an athlete. Maybe it's your kindness. Maybe it's your aptitude for math. Maybe it's your ability to bake. Like there's, it's almost like when I was done playing, I got to just live life with such a, a, greater vastness like discover all these other things that i enjoyed and loved and experienced god through because i wasn't the majority of my life wasn't occupied by soccer and that was fine like i chose that i loved that that was my focus but um you know and i'm still most of the things i do are semi-athletic um but but it, it's opened my eyes and so it's you know don't don't fret i would say also in regards to parents Um, we want to honor our parents, but, but make sure what you're doing is for you. I think sometimes, you know, you see kids who one think that if they don't, because of maybe things said or perceived, if they don't achieve success in sports, then they're not going to be loved. And if you were to ask your parent that sure, that wouldn't be the case. Like that's your perception. They might've said things though, that point into that, but, um, you know, you're going to be loved no matter what. And um, I do tell parents that a lot. I'm like, make sure it's not about you because you see so many living vicariously or wanting to have the kid. That's the D one athlete. With the coach when they're eight and the private trainers. And, and it's like, make sure your kid just gets to be a kid and enjoy. And if, you know, I I'm, I'm a firm believer in not quitting, but I was also like, loved what I did. There were moments that my parents had to push me because they knew where my potential was. And like, you know, I really think you should play at this next level. And even though I was scared, they, they, they got me there. They encouraged me, you know, it was awesome. So there is that balance, but at the end of the day, like. You have to be playing for you and for the Lord, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you have absent parents, like, remember God is perfect father. Mm -hmm. And Mary is perfect mother. And, you know, maybe there's that moment where Mm -hmm. you're at game and you're looking up and your parents are in the stands and your heart like sags. Okay. Well, I'm sure Jesus, God, the father, Mary, they're sitting up there, you know, and, and really like they can heal our memories. They can really, their presence, like they are perfect. And so in all those moments where we don't feel loved perfectly by our parents, um, it, it's, it's really beautiful and healing to realize that, okay, they're human. Um, but I also have a perfect father in heaven and a perfect mother who are loving me perfectly and who are proud of me and who are excited for me and just love me for me, but they're also my biggest cheerleader at the same time. So those are some good things to remember.
0: Yeah and you bring up an interesting point too, and you've gone through this yourself and you can help coach young people, but there's the the rise up to college and you have maybe this really structured life and then it's over. And then what do you do? Right. And now no one's telling you what to do, when to do it. I'm sure you see that too. Right. Or you're coaching.
2: Yeah. We're actually, I'm in the process of filming, um, like an actual course for this. So um, so we're going to beta test it this fall and then it'll be available next year. But I, you know, I surveyed about 30 former college and pro athletes varying degrees of faith. And I just them these questions, like, did you have a plan coming out? Um, do, you, do you know how to work out now? Do you know how to eat now? Um, have you made peace with your athletic experience? Did you have friends around you after? And, and it was pretty stark. The answers, like, didn't have a plan, still struggle with how to work out now, struggling with my weight, struggling with my self-motivation, can't step foot on a pool deck again. You know, like There's a lot of woundedness. And so I realized, I mean, my closest friends are all former college athletes and faithful Catholic women. And I've been blessed to be able to find them and interact with them, and we're all over the country. But a lot of women don't have any type of community because the two are rare. They either have their athletic friends or they have their faith-filled friends. Um, and so my goal is to, to have about a 12 week course where these women are walking through a healing process, but then, you know, because I have that certification in strength and conditioning and also psychology work on some, some mental kind of viewpoints and toughness, but then also, okay, practically how am I living my life now? Um, how am I discovering new passions, but they will be in small groups. So they will be in a community of women, um, where they can make friends, where they can share experiences and then that'll kind of launch into a greater, Um, network of people so that's coming up within the next yeah probably six months um i'm filming it right now so it's it's kind of a fun project we have coming up to just support those women because there is that gap that that you know noted and and that we realized as well
1: Yeah, yeah that's great how would you encourage those who want to pray more but they feel like they can't for whatever reason
2: yeah um, I'd advise two things. Um, one to realize uh, you can pray always. I know it's people are like, well, I have soccer practice and I have, and I have, um, and one of my favorite things to teach people is to, to offer up your suffering, right? This is scriptural. Um, and basically like when I think about Christ's passion, I, I love it. Cause he was, he was like the ultimate athlete. He really was, you know, it's like he sweat blood his muscles were cramping, right? He's bleeding. He's tired. He can't breathe well. He's in a tremendous amount of pain. He falls, he gets up, right? He's like hiking uphill. He's like lifting this really heavy cross. And, and in a small, small way, when we work out, right, like we're sweating, we're having trouble breathing, right? We can really unite that with the Lord and that suffering we can actually offer to him for an intention for another person. So, I love to teach people this because it, it makes it makes your workout or your practice or your game about more than just you. Like, one, you're honoring the Lord. But two, it's this is actually a, a prayer that you can pray so you can pray it for you know, your grandma who's sick or you can pray it for your teammates who are struggling or who don't know the Lord. You know, I would do this with we would do sprints on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. I would just go down the line and pick the first teammate at the end of the line. And I do the first sprint for them. And I'd pick the second teammate. You know, it really becomes a way to pray. And you can do this with anything like who loves studying for three hours, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a suffering, you can offer that up. Um, So, so that's a little bit more of an active way to pray. Um, But I think the most, the most influential for your own heart and your own life thing that you can do is spend five, start with five minutes. I mean, you might work up to an hour, but five, 10, 15 minutes of time, just spend that amount of time in silence every day. There's so much distraction. Um, and we, we can't hear the voice of God because of that distraction. Mm-hmm. And it's a time to, to just let God lead and to get to know him personally, to talk to him, to listen. Um, and it takes a while, right? If, if we don't know each other, where I'm not gonna know your voice if you call me up on the phone, but after a while you start calling me, I'm like, oh, he doesn't even have to tell me who he is, right? Um, same issue with God. And we begin to really note how he's working in our lives, but that, that time away, and I would do it consistently, wake up five minutes earlier, do it, you know, Mm -hmm. after lunch for five minutes or do it five minutes before practice, whatever, make it consistent. So you remember, um, I love to do it in the mornings because then it kind of starts my day off. Right. But, um, that I think is, yeah, it's the most important thing that you can do. In your day, just that five ten minutes of silent prayer, and you'll you'll learn like you end up needing more eventually, um, but that's that's the place to start.
1: It's over to say it's very hard to hear the the still the still small voice if you're not
2: quiet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and we we don't like to be quiet, right? No <laughs> thoughts, but it's it's the best thing we can be doing. It's
0: a great tip to say you know start off with five minutes, right? because you can't bench press 300 pounds on your first try, right? So we got to start somewhere and, okay. and do it small. And I liked on your uh, promotional video where you had, um, you're all in a circle doing planks. And I thought, oh, yeah, cool, spring <laughs> together. I think that's what the, the audio says over the video. Yeah. That's, that's a great uh, great video shot of that.
2: that oh, fun. thanks.
0: Thanks. So, uh, so, okay. So we know about your upcoming uh, project for the uh, post- athletic, um, journey. Um, but you also have an upcoming book that's coming out. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah,
2: I do. Uh, we're working on like the copy edit right now. So hopefully it'll be out this fall. Um, the unofficial title, I think it's going to be the official title. So I'll tell you is, um, be fierce the athlete's guide to growing physically, mentally, and spiritually. So, um, you know, it's an athlete, it's a book written for, yeah, high school, college athletes. Um, and it walks through one, who they really are, what is their core identity, but then, you know, how do you grow physically? How do you come to appreciate and know the the goodness of your body? Um, mentally, I I talk a lot about, yeah, just, just mental toughness, body language, self-talk, you know, motivation. Um, but also some teach, you throughout it, there's kind of practice items. So I, you know, I I really encourage athletes who like to practice things uh, Mm. to to really, yeah, learn to take captive your thoughts. And it's kind of spiritual warfare, really Um, Mm. learning to combat. I just struck out and your mind going to, I suck to, (laughs) Nope, I'm enough. I'm good. Next one. Um, So there's some practicals in there. And then spiritually, you know, I talk about some of the things I just talked about um, in regards to offering up and go a little bit deeper into what is, what does prayer look like? Um, so yeah, keep an eye out for that. That should be out this fall. Um, we're self-publishing, so it'll be available on, on our website, fierceathlete.org.
0: Okay. All right. Any other projects we should do coming out? <laughs> Something like you're pretty busy over there.
2: <laughs> yeah. The other big one, uh, and please, please pray for this is we're going to launch a new branch of fierce called fierce coach. Um, so we work primarily with athletes right now, but I'm doing more and more with coaches and I mean, coaches outside of parents, coaches are some of those influential people in young people's lives for better or for worse. Unfortunately, mm. um, you know, I just hear so many great coaches and I, I hear so many horror stories at the same time. So, um, I won't be doing that. I'll be kind of working alongside somebody else that we're going to bring on board. Who is a, who is a D one and D three coach, college coach, um, who's going to be running that program. So I'm super excited because they're going to work. We're going to work really closely with them kind of congruently. Um, but when I go to a university, for example, um, oftentimes I speak to the coaches and then I speak to the athletes. Well, now we'll have somebody who was, you know, at their level speaking to them and then I'll be working with the athletes. So yeah, we're just continuing to, to grow and expand. It's exciting, exciting times. Wow. Yeah.
1: Filling a lot of gaps. You are. So how can our listeners find out more about you and your ministry?
2: Yeah. Um, so everything's on our website, fierceathlete.org. Um, all our offerings and, and everything. Uh, you can find us on social media at Fierce Athlete, I think on most platforms. Um, and then the Fierce Athlete podcast, you can get to that through our website, but that's on Apple, Spotify, pretty much all the major platforms. So. That's where you can find out more.
0: Fantastic. Great. We'll pray for all these uh, projects and adventures. <laughs> thank yeah. you. And thank you being, for being there for all the young people, especially in college. It's such a huge time in, in their lives. So that's awesome.
2: Absolutely. Thanks.
0: So we'll, um, Randy, we'll, we'll pray for Fierce and we'll close it out in prayer. And Sam, thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much.
2: Sure, yeah. Next time I get down to Southern California, I'll, I'll let you guys know.
1: Yep.
0: Give us a holler.
2: Perfect.
1: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we thank you so much for Sam and her ministry of and we pray for it, and we pray for its continued blessing for the young women, Lord, and we pray for Sam and all that she has her hands in and all that All the ministries that you've given her, Lord Jesus, just give her the time to rest and and to be close to you like she is, And, and thank you for her enthusiasm. I know it comes out to us, and pray to everybody, Lord. So we ask your blessing on her, and we ask your blessing upon our listeners, that whatever whoever are listening and whatever we talked about or said would lead them closer to you. Amen.
2: Amen. Yes.
0: God bless Sam. Uh,
1: thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you.
2: Appreciate it.